Well, I have an announcement. Sorry, Joe, I had one extra announcement, but um, as you know, October is Pastor Appreciation, and many of you folks have given us cards and gifts, and thank you. Thank you so much. But per Laurie's request, we've had to extend it one more week into November, so, so we're going to extend it one more week, but that's it. No more appreciation after next Sunday, so... But thank you, in all seriousness, I do appreciate it, and uh, we are loved, PJ and I both feel that, and uh, we are glad to be here, and glad to be here this morning, especially with you. So, that being said, I have some other news. We are at the end of 2 Corinthians. You have faithfully been here and struggled through <laughs> and managed through all of the book of 2 Corinthians, and today we wrap up that series. And uh, it's been a journey. It's been a journey through it and to, to, to work through each week, each chapter, and we've had a few breaks in between, but it's been several months as we've gone through it, and hopefully you've gleaned things from it as God's Word does speak to us, and that you've learned a little bit more, and hopefully, and the prayer is that we've also had a chance to put it into practice. And that's uh, the goal of studying in Scripture. One of the main things is that we can put it into our lives and that we can use it, uh, whether it's for someone else's or for our own good, but as a body of Christ that we continue to grow. And uh, I do, as Heidi mentioned in her prayer, I do appreciate the fact, too, that I hear things going on in our church body. And um, I'll tell you, as a pastor, it's even better when I don't have to be involved with it or to be doing it. Um, Joe, you wouldn't want me cooking you a meal either. Uh, boat I can handle, but uh, not cooking. That's not in my realm, but in, in so many ways. And so, again, good job, Pointway family, in that. So with 2 Corinthians, I want to flip the tables a little bit. I'm going to ask some questions, and I, I want to hear from you today. I want to hear a little bit from you before we get into the, the verses, but what have you learned from 2 Corinthians? One word, a couple sentences, you know me, I can wait for a long time for an answer, but comfort, comfort right? We did, chapter one, comfort, what it, and God gives us comfort for what reason? For us and for others, right? So we may be able to comfort other people, right? That's a gift. What else? All right, basics. Who wrote Corinthians? Paul, there we go. Is this the second letter, or... Third, at least, yeah, that we know of. Anything else? How about Old Covenant versus New Covenant? Remember that when we were working through that, that piece of it as well, right? They both had benefits, but we're in the New Covenant, and so now we're much better living in this New Covenant period. What else? Anything else? Oh, there's a big one. Reconciliation. Thank you. Someone else mentioned something here. What's that? Yes, Paul uses very tactfully how to chase them, to, to get them back into the right relationship, but also to encourage them to do the right thing. We'll see that today. Thank you, Denise. Anything else? Uh, always. Thanks. Thanks for that reminder. Right. That's a, that's a struggle. That's a, a moment-by-moment moment thing, right? It doesn't take much to distract us or take us off point or to um, take us down the wrong path. You guys have done pretty good. You must be reading on your own, which is great. And so 
Um, I think you've covered most of it, so we're going to jump right actually right into chapter 13. And again, Paul is now ending this letter. He's, he's setting up for his next visit, and Paul has had his troubles, right? He's had to explain the reasons for him not coming right away. He's also had to explain the, the mistrust, or I call it the doubt, that was placed, right? Paul's been in question, his authority, his apostleship, and also his, his motives, right? He was called into question, and so Paul is battling that throughout this letter, and we see that here as we come in around to chapter 13, and what Paul typically does, if you haven't read some of the other letters, Galatians, Philippians, at the end, he kind of pulls it all together, and he just leaves that one last package for them, and he kind of hits them with a little bit of a punch, right? He hits the highlights, right? And here we go. If I got to say my last words, if I got to wrap this letter up, I want to get this in. And this morning's no different in chapter 13. He hits him a little bit with those last few punches before he comes. And again, punches is probably not a good word, but those, that, that encouragement, right? That, that, hey, that, or a little kick as well, right? As Denise says, he tactfully does that. Sometimes pretty direct as well. So in chapter 13, verse 1, it says, this will be my third visit to you. Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. It's an interesting way to, to start this last bit and to end it, right? He's, he's reminding him them really that, hey, I'm coming. I am really going to come this time. If God allows, I am going to come there for my third visit. And he's letting them know he's been there He's been there several times, and he's coming back one more time, but he has an expectation when he arrives. Right? He has an expectation that things are going to be in place when he comes there. It's not unlike when you came here this morning, I'm sure you had certain expectations, right? I know many of you expect the coffee to be made, because I hear it if we don't have the coffee made. <laughs> there's, a, there's an expectation that there's, there's coffee. There's expectation when it's hot out that we have the AC on. There's an expectation that it'll be um, heat when it's cold, right? We have certain expectations we, when we come to Sunday morning worship. We expect that there'll be music. We expect there'll be a message. We expect certain things, comfy chairs even, right? Well, Paul's no different. He's has this interesting from this church when he arrives there. Then he has this interesting quote that he puts in. He says, every matter must be established by two or three witnesses. It's kind of an interesting, and again, it's one of those phrases that commentators go kind of all over the place. There, there was as many as four different theories of why he said this. I'm a pretty simple guy. I just kind of take the, the most logical one. But again, where Paul's being questioned, he says, you know, if one witness is good, two or three is even better. You've heard me use the illustration, right? When police arrive on a scene and there's an accident or there's something, a, a crime, they, they're looking for an eyewitness, right? So it'll hold up in a court of lie. They, they, one witness, if you can just get one witness, again, leads to credibility. It helps in solving the crime. It helps establish that it's true. So if one is good, two or three is even more so, right? It, it would almost be hard to, def, to refute. And so again, I think Paul is talking about his, his ministry and his love for this church. He's saying, hey, there's two or three other witnesses to this. Whether it's a church in Philippi that he's talking about, or Thessalonica, or one of these other Ephesus, these other churches, 
He's saying, hey, two or three, they all testify to my growth and to the fact that I am an apostle and that I speak to them and that I love them. So I take it to being that one. If you want to study it out the rest of this week, you can look at those other theories as well. But that's how I take that, that statement. Verse 2, it says, I already gave you a warning when I was with you the second time. I now repeat it while I'm absent. On my return, I will not spare those who sinned earlier or any of the others. Since you are demanding proof that Christ is speaking through me, he is not weak in dealing with you, but he is powerful among you. Again, there's a lot in this, but Paul's establishing the fact that, hey, you know, expecting some growth with you, I gave you some things to do, and I'm expecting some growth, some change, and so when I come back, I want to make sure that's done. I want to see that it's already taken place. It's an expectation, right? It's a, a, a wanting that church body to grow. And again, because he's being questioned constantly about his faith and his commitment, he reiterates that, hey, Christ is speaking through me. Again, Paul's words by themselves don't mean much, right? It's God using Paul and Christ in him, speaking through him, that he's counting on here. Interestingly enough, he identifies one of the things in Christ. He says, Christ is not weak, right? The he here is Christ. He's not weak. He's, he's strong. He has the able, he is more than capable, he's more than able to help move us along, to help grow us up in him. The problem is we don't always allow it, right? <laughs> we get in the way. I'm the greatest hinderer of my own personal growth in Christ is, is I get in the way. I get off track. But he's speaking about Christ here, and he says he's not weak in dealing with you, but he's powerful. It's kind of a, right, it's, it's establishing the work of Christ in each of us. Interestingly, I'm doing a book study with Alliance Pastors called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Orland, Ortland, and uh, it talks about the different attributes of Christ. I don't recommend it yet. I haven't finished it, so I don't want to recommend a book that I haven't finished. But so far, it's been very good. It's been helpful in learning about the different characteristics of Christ. Looking at it from a, a little different perspective about each attribute, but gentle and lowly are not things that we typically put with Christ. We always kind of jump to the, 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 the Godhead, the, and rightfully so, the judgment right, and judge against sin. And so it's taking a look at that through history, using some of the old Puritans and John Edwards and some of those old guys, uh, John Calvin and others, looking through that lens of what they say about who Christ is and his attributes. So, so far it's been a, a good teaching tool. But speaking of Christ, there's much to Christ. Right? And Christ, when we are in sin and we're not growing, he will do whatever he has to do to get us to change, to move. And so Paul is counting on that, and Paul is speaking here. I gave you some things as Christ was showing me that we're wrong in the church, and here's where I expect there to be movement. I mentioned last week that um, I used to dread that call from PJ. Usually it was in the morning or mid-noon, and that call of, hey, the boys are acting up, and you need to straighten them out when you get home. I can't even deal with them. She's had it, 
right? They may not be here when you get home if you don't promise to come take care of that. But that coming in and being the discipline. And so Paul, like I was, didn't really want to have to come do that. He wanted things to be straightened out before he got home or before he got to the church. So I have that illustration in my mind. Verse 4. For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power, we will live with him in our dwelling with you. I love it. Constantly in the Bible, we see these, these, these contrasts, right? The, the opposite ends of things. And, and I like to call it a healthy tension, right? You know, Jesus, the Son of God, right? Part of the Creator, part, all of that, part of, of who he is, came to us in a weak human form, right? To die on a cross. And he came in that, that form, yet who he was was God himself. And again, that, 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 that tension that lies there between us. And the same thing that we have, many times when we are in our weakness, and Joe, you mentioned it wonderfully, like when we're humble and we ask for help, God supplies that. And again, we get in the way many times. Our pride can get in the way, and we, we're not open and we're not transparent before God or before others. And so we have that here, and Paul is pointing back to how powerful God was in his weakness while here on earth. It's a reminder for us as well. And Paul certainly, I think, struggled with that from time to time. He mentions that often about his weakness while defending his authority. It's a tough tension sometimes to to live out, to walk through. Verse 5. Now it gets really interesting, at least for me when I was studying this. It just kind of popped out at me a little bit. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And I trust that you will discover that you have not failed the test. Oof. You could sit on those and, and marinate on those for a while and just kind of work back through because it's a part of a refining process, or it can be, if you're willing to, to take that challenge on. Um, and again, it's not talking about your saving faith here, and there's some that have misquoted that, but it's talking about our sanctification. How are we doing? Are we being faithful to the God that's within us, right? Remember, this letter is written to believers. This is, he's not talking to unbelievers here, and so it's not talking about saving faith, but it's talking about our faith. Is it being lived out? Right? Take an inventory once in a while. Take a, an inner perspective look at how am I doing? How am I, how, how am I living out my faith? How do I look to others around me? Right? How do they perceive me? Could I find two or three witnesses? I'm going to tie it back to the beginning a little bit. And again, the, the statement here is true. It says, do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? Right? So we have the ability, we have the, the capability, we have everything we need to do that. But are we doing it? And that's where the, the rubber meets the road. That's where the challenge comes in. 
for me, for you, for all of us as believers. And then Paul puts that little bit of encouragement in there, right? Because otherwise we can get, kind of get stuck. If we just stayed with that and, and we, we think, well, and I'm failing the test, I'm not making it, we get too far down, right? Paul says, I trust that you'll discover you have not failed the test, right? Now, you may not hit every mark on that test, and again, there's always room for improvement, but there are certain things, I'm sure, as believers, that you are doing well. You are growing in Christ. You're, there's things that are happening in your life, and Paul's expecting that. Kind of back to the ambassador, right? Are you being a good ambassador in Christ? Tying that back in. Do I represent him well, privately and publicly? And so it's a self-examination, but a good test to do every once in a while and, and on a regular basis. How am I doing in this area? In this struggle. Verse 7. It says, Now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong. Not so that people will see that you, we have stood the test, but so that you will do what is right, even though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything, we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. I call this the, the motivational part, right? The, the why behind the what. What's the motivation for, for doing these things? What's the motivation before, be, from what I do so that others see, right? Is it out of a heart? Is it out of a pure heart? Is it out of what God's telling me to do? Or is it out of obligation or duty, right? Or maybe for some other reason, selfish reason. Again, motives matter. It matters to why we do what we do as believers, right? Going back to that heart. What's our heart issue in this? What's our, our motivation? What drives us? Why are we doing what we do? Verse 9 says, We are glad whenever we are weak, but you are strong. And our prayer, going back to, you may be fully restored. Kind of, again, going back to Joe, and Joe and I didn't plan this out, but quite oftentimes when part of us as a church body is weak, right, we can rely upon others to, to fill in that gap, to strengthen us, to come alongside us, to encourage us, right? We're not alone, and, and many times we need someone else to fill that gap. God fills that gap, but God uses people to do that. And so we need each other. We need that help. We need that encouragement. We need someone sometimes when, to give us that helping hand. Verse 10, this is why I write these things when I am absent, that when I come, I may not have to be harsh in my own use of authority. The authority the Lord gave me for building you up, not for tearing you down. And Paul's revealing his own heart motivation in this, right? I don't want to have to come and straighten things out. I don't want to have to deal with a bunch of problems. I want you to, to take care of them on your own. I want you to be growing so that I don't have to come and be the stick, right? Takes encouragement from that. But he's also recognized that he can't shirk his responsibility as a leader, that he can't just let it go. If there is something wrong, he needs to step in with the authority of Christ and correct it's like sometimes when we read these words, it's like, man, Paul doesn't pull many punches. But we see in his writings over and over again, his motivation is that the church in Corinth grows. 
And we know from the other writings, right, the church in Corinth is not a perfect church. Pointway is not a perfect church. I'm going to step out on a limb here, right? We, we are still growing. We are still working on things. There are things in our lives that we're, we're, we're still trying to figure out. And with God's help, we're going to do that. And yes, once in a while, we have to do correction. We have to make changes. And again, if it's done in the right motive and with the right heart, it's received well and fruit happens. Things grow. We get stronger. So there's the last kick. And now Paul's going to wrap up his letter finally. He's like, all right, I've, I've said this. This has set myself up. I'm going to be coming. So my visit, so here's this. And so you know, now I'm going to end this letter. Again, we've broken this up over all the weeks, but this letter was meant to be read at one time to be taken as a whole. And I'm sure they had to read it over and over again because it's a lot in this, because Paul writes a lot in his letters. But now he's going to come to the end of this and he's going to give the, the closing, the closing of the letter. And again, for us, it'll be the closing of this whole book in our Bible. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. And that day, quite often, the letter would have a benediction to it. In fact, if you're a little bit older, you remember in most churches, we used to have a, a benediction at the end, right? A, a final party before you went out the door. And, and I, I miss that in some ways, and the, the more structure of that. And again, it was part of almost every church, and I've even been part in a church where I, that was my responsibility. I had to, to give the benediction, and I would look all week to try to find the, the right set of scriptures or the, the right words to say to kind of send you off, to, to get you ready to go for the week. And that's what a benediction is. It's that last encouragement to lift you up. And this is no different. This is a great benediction, not only this letter, but it's a great benediction for, for all of us. It says, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration, right? That restoration, that restoration of relationship uh, with Christ first and then with each other. You know, if there's a, something that's hindering our relationships, restoration is needed. Paul spent a great deal talking about reconciliation. As someone mentioned this morning, that's, that's in there. That's in 2 Corinthians. Reconciling those relationships. And it takes work. It takes hard work. It takes humbling, Right? Spent quite a bit of time on that, and again, that's a, it's a constant too, right? It's not a, oh, I can just check that off. We're reconciled, we're all set, and then I can go out and do the same thing to you again. That, that doesn't work very well, all right? You that are in relationships, you know that, right? It takes a lot of work to restore a relationship and to get it back to where it was and then to make it even better. Encourage, encourage one another, right? An encouragement. Uh, heard this from Tony Evans long ago, again, probably 20 plus years ago, but he said to me in the whole group, he says, have you ever met someone that says, no, no, I'm, I'm full. I'm all set with encouragement. Right? I had enough. Don't encourage me. Please don't encourage me. In fact, why don't you just discourage me because I've got encouragement up to here. I can't say it like Tony Evans. I would be yelling and screaming and I don't have his voice. But again, you can imagine him saying that, right? And how silly that is, Right? We all like to be encouraged. We all need encouragement, 
right? Encouragement's one of those things that we, it helps feed us in some ways. And again, I know you can go too far one way or the other, and if it's not genuine, again, there are exceptions to the, the rule. But by and large, we need encouragement from one another to continue on. One of the hopes and the goals on a Sunday morning is that you're encouraged as you go out and face the rest of the week. Because it doesn't take very long before somebody will be out there to discourage you. You may not even get out of the parking lot, or you may not get out on 371 and someone cuts you off. You may not be encouraged very soon. But the hope is that that encouragement that will, will help you and motivate you to do what's right. right. So encourage one another. Be of one mind. Again, one of Paul's cries throughout many of his letters, right, is, is that unity. Right? Not all thinking alike, but being of one mind, being, having a goal in mind, having a vision as a church, having a ministry that we're going forward. Be of one mind. Be of, like, like we can accept each other, even when we have some differences, but we are heading in the right direction. And so that's what he's talking here about, being together as a church body, right? So it's what these words are for, right? Being of one mind. Live in peace, right? Oh, that elusive peace sometimes, right? There's a whole message on peace. In fact, I, I think I have one coming up, uh, the Advent season, right? One of the, the candles is peace, and we'll be spending a lot of time We're going through tough. But it's one of those things that, that it's hard for us to grasp, especially when we're going through tough times, right? Sometimes even when we're going through good times, it's hard to grab peace, right? We, things get unsettled, or we get busy, or we get distracted, or we're not at peace with God. Sin gets in the way of peace. Again, don't worry, that's not all that message on peace. There's a lot in there. There's a lot in Scripture. And then he brings it back to God. He says, God and the God of love and peace will be with you. Again, a great benediction. We could end it right there, but Paul had to tack on a little bit more, and so we'll continue on. Again, remember, this letter is written to that church, but it was meant to be passed on to other churches. And so as he's closing it here, he says, Greet one another with a holy kiss. All of God's people here send their greetings. Again, that unity, not only just as part of that particular little small group, but of the other churches in the area, and then the, the larger body of Christ. I love the fact that we have missions moment and we looked at envisions, right? That's part of the alliance and that's part of the, the bigger picture. We have missionaries overseas. That's part of the alliance. We have that connectiveness, right? We're connected with them. We're not all worshiping the same way at the same time. Not everyone's preaching the same message this morning. We don't all look the same. We're not all from the same background, but we can still have unity because of God and because of Christ. We have that in togetherness, that unity, that purpose. And again, he connects them there with, hey, everyone greets you, right? There's that, that love of other churches. I love the fact that I'm part of a, a pastor's group, and it's every Sunday morning at 7 a.m., we get a, a text message from one of the pastors, and it goes around to all of us, and there's, there's unity among us that we have some similarities. We have different theological backgrounds, and we have to do some things differently, but there is a connectedness here in this community. I love that fact that I get that message and it connects us, and we do things throughout the week to stay connected. Some of us even play golf and we get along. It's, uh, and uh, it's not always easy. 
I joke, but there is a connectedness even among the community in that regard. And so it's valued, it's important. And again, because we put Christ first, we can have that. And then lastly here, the last verse, and the last verse here for this morning, it says, May the grace of, our, of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Denise, you get a prize because Denise came running into me last week and she says, hey, do you know verse 14, verse 14 that you're going to be preaching next week? And I'm like, yeah, well, not right off the top of my head. I was still working on 12. But verse 14 excited her because it has all three mentioned. It's one of those verses. It's not that common, but it has the Godhead. All three are mentioned in one verse. Right? God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. You know, we talk about the Trinity, we talk about that often, but that's one of those verses that pulls them all together. And so uh, I appreciate about that with Denise, and she, she caught me up to speed or put me ahead for this next week. But as I was reading this week, I thought of you often, Denise, as you mentioned that, right? But the three of them are mentioned. And can I say that we need all three? We can't leave one out. It doesn't work. It's not the, it's not the God that we worship. It's not not the person who we follow, right? Our faith is nothing without all three. And as I'm growing more and more, I'm realizing how much more I need to rely on the Holy Spirit. Talk about those moment-by-moment things. And again, I think Paul's alluding to that earlier in the letter here when he talks about his faith, right? Testing that faith. How am I doing? Am I in step with the Holy Spirit? A couple times this week, I had to do a little bit of a check Right? Sometimes I think I'm following the Holy Spirit. I'm thinking, I think I'm doing what God wants me to do, but then all of a sudden I'm like, all right, did I do that in the Spirit or did I do that in the flesh? And so I have that, that check. And again, it's a, it's a moment-by-moment thing, whether it be with my thoughts, whether it be with my actions. Am I listening to the Holy Spirit? Who to go speak to? When to share the gospel? You name it, right? Plan out my day. What a, you know, how I react. All those things are, are that need for the Holy Spirit. And all of us as believers, we needed Christ, obviously, on the cross. And so, again, all three need to be part of our life and be reminded of that constantly. And so Paul does that here as he closes out this letter and as we close out our series on 2 Corinthians. And so I hope that my prayer for this week is that you take a moment or take some time and do what Paul Encourage them to do. Test your faith. Test your faith. Don't be discouraged there, but take some time and reflect. Take some time to take stock. How am I doing? How am I, how am I doing as being that ambassador for Christ? How am I doing in my walk? How am I doing in my relationships with him and with each other? And so that's where I leave you this morning. Hopefully encouraged to go forth. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for, uh, Lord, how it moves us, how it applies to our lives, Lord, and how we need it each and every day. Lord, help us here at Pointway that we continue to grow as a church body, as we continue to deepen our relationship with you. 
and our relationship with each other. Lord, help us uh, in this coming week, Lord, that we would be true ambassadors to you, that we would reflect only you. Help us in our struggle. And Lord, I just thank you for the work that you're doing, have done, continue to do, and will be doing throughout this week. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.